The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They're all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The world is a lot different these days, and the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are ready to help you safely navigate it. From helping you figure out the conscientious destinations to helping you figure out entry protocols for different countries, the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are there for you. Looking to work abroad for an extended period of time? Looking to attend virtual school from a remote location? These are all things that Blue Pineapple Travel can help you do. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in their ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you and to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayRx. You can find those good folks at www.slayrx.com. Are you needing a pleasant spark to take your endurance game to the next level? Are you needing an all-natural, high-quality, customized hydration powder with or without sugar to stave off cramping and dehydration? Are you in need of an effective all-in-one fuel to slay your endurance efforts? Look no more. SlayRx. SlayRx has a really good line of products to serve our most pleasant exhaustion podcast listeners. Let's start with Michelle's favorite, Spark Plug, which replaces sports gel and gross post-race strips to the Porta Johns. It's a poppin' electrolyte powder in small, easily carried tubes. There's also an all-in-one endurance fuel. It has all of your electrolytes, clean fuel, and for no extra cost, your essential amino acids with or without caffeine. And it costs about one-third as much as other brands' combo rocket fuels. Finally, they have my favorite, SlayRx Hydrate Powder, which comes with or without sugar and varying strengths of electrolytes based on your individual needs. They can find those individual needs on the free quiz online at SlayRx.com or with in-person testing like Patrick and I did at their headquarters on podcast episode number 114. Hydrate is the fuel that I use during the Blue Ridge Relay this year, and I recommend it for all of you as well. SlayRx products are 100% natural, come in great flavors, are vegan friendly, and the Hydrate Light is keto friendly. They've all been well researched and developed by a UGA food scientist who's also an Ironman athlete. The products are tested by the pros and endorsed by your fellow endurance athletes and hardworking folks in the community. The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at SlayRx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT21 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRx for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast, brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slay RX. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a father of twin boys, and I'm a college professor. My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a mom to three girls, and I'm a CPA. And my name is Eric Kolf. I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Raleigh, North Carolina, the father to three teenagers, and the husband to a beautiful wife, Melissa. 
Eric, thanks again for bringing one of those three teenagers on the podcast last week. We uh, very much enjoyed it, very much uh, liked hearing that story. Duke University has a star in their incoming freshman class, and her name is Grace Hall. Uh, uh, she was great, and we've gotten a lot of really positive feedback from people who listen to that podcast, man. She had a blast, George. And I will say, she didn't say this during the podcast. After the podcast, she said, we didn't say this. We didn't say this. We didn't say this. But the, <laughs> yeah. one thing, the one thing she did say was, um, when we were about, I don't we were about 30 miles from the finish. And she said, I have to finish. I said, why? And she said, because you said I could be on the podcast if I finished it. <laughs> <laughs> made That's right. Day. You guys made her day. She had fun. Very good. Very good. There was something like just just fundamentally badass about her saying, I'm not going to know whether I couldn't finish unless I can't finish. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like there, were, there was something about her saying, like, I'm, I'm going to keep on going until I cannot finish or until they pull me off the course. Um, I, I, that, that attitude clearly is, is something that helped y'all get to the finish line. Um, and I, I enjoyed hearing her, her describe that. You know, we talked about it after the fact where when she said that the two of you got to see my reaction, you know, cause we're, we're on a zoom call. It's not, you know, you guys got video. Yeah. That's the kind of thing to me, you know, there's a lot of things that she said during that podcast that kind of hit me, but that's the kind of thing to me that just tells me that, you know, she has figured it out on her own. She's figured it out. Um, and she, she will succeed in whatever she does. So yeah. Yeah, I love I love hearing stuff like that come out of my kids. So that was awesome. You 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 texted to our Blue Ridge Relay thread this morning that she was looking at various classes she might be taking this fall at Duke, and one of them is a history of torture. I feel like she could like write a paper for that class about her experience. Like she could submit last week's podcast as as her midterm. Hold on a second. <laughs> what department is the history of torture in? Is that like humanities? What is that? History. You know what? That's a great question. And I'll have to refer that to Grace when she gets home from work. Um, but <laughs> George didn't tell the whole story. We were at the end of this eight mile run that we had been slogging through. I mean, literally slogging through. And she had been talking about various topics. And she said, oh, I forgot to tell you. <laughs> I rolled. I, I, needed, I needed a seminar class. And I, I'm thinking about taking the history of torture. And I just Did she enroll? Looked... <laughs> what was that? Did she enroll in it? Uh, she registers tomorrow. Oh, so. that's cool. so exciting. Very cool. It is exciting. Very exciting. Eric, I see that you're wearing your Black Hills 100 t-shirt, which is good. Once again, a different t-shirt from the one that you're wearing last week. And it looks like you just finished a run. You running again? How are you feeling? I am running again. I'm, I'm in uh, phase two of my return to normal running. I, I did a, uh, my phase one is I run one day and I take a day off. I run two days and I take a day off. Phase three starts at three, or sorry, phase two starts at run three days, take a day off, add in some speed work, run four days, take a day off and, you know, and that. And I've actually had a couple of good days. Um, Great. I don't know if you're uh, poking me about yesterday at all. Maybe that'll come later, but. <laughs> I'm not. I'm Did you try some new shoes this week? <laughs> I'm definitely back into running. I'm, I'm doing workouts. Did a hill workout today and it's going well. I'm excited. I've cool, had man. a. It's fun to get back into it, get back into the, the sort of routine. 
Very good, very good. And you and I both have eight weeks until the Blue Ridge Relay. Um, and it starts, we'll be putting out this podcast on the 16th, on July 16th, and it starts eight weeks from July 16th. It starts on a Friday. So, um, so yeah, looking forward to that, buddy. Um, very good. Um, Michelle, what you up to? I am getting very prepared to watch the Olympics. So <laughs> I have- What does that entail? <laughs> <laughs> well, I created the world clock. Like I added Tokyo to my, you know, iPhone clock because knowing what time it is in Tokyo is the worst part about the Olympics being in Tokyo. They're 13 so, hours ahead, right? Okay, well, like that doesn't help when you're trying to organize TV schedules and right. everything mm -hmm. is written in their time zone. Right. Um, so I've downloaded the running. There's a great- uh, piece we can link to it that's got the entire track and field schedule on it mm. and I'm just trying to kind of load it all into a calendar with alerts so that I don't miss stuff but um yeah I'm pretty hyped about the Olympics I definitely will spend way too much time watching just kind of whatever's on or whatever I can especially if it's live so I'm pretty excited about that and when you say watching you mean not just track and field you mean like archery and table tennis and I'll watch just about anything yeah mm -hmm. I mean <laughs> like curling in the winter Olympics is a great example of <laughs> like, nope, who knows what it is, but it's great. It's the Olympics. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, there's going to be some rock climbing events as you know, some of the newer sports that, uh, make their Olympic birth this year. So I'm just, I'm looking forward to it all. I think it'll be obviously different for the athletes and there'll be no spectators there, but if we can watch through our screens, I wasn't going to go to Tokyo anyway. So, right. Right. Well, they had said, they had said a couple of months ago, there were going to be no international fans. And then just since the last time we talked about the Olympics on this podcast in the last couple of weeks, they've said there's going to be no Japanese fans either. Um, and so there'll be, uh, athletes obviously there and officials obviously there um and then some sponsors might be there and some vips might be able to get a little bit of access and that sort of thing but but just for the run of the mill japanese citizen um they cannot buy tickets anymore um the bars and and restaurants are actually closed right now as part of their state of emergency in japan too so they're also discouraged from going into gathering places and watching them together and so so japanese people minus the time change are going to have roughly the same experience with the Tokyo Olympics that you and I are going to have, Michelle. Um, Seems like it. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to have that experience. Um, so. <laughs> you and he are going to have that experience, Michelle. So, well, so, so Eric, are you not going to be watching the Olympics? Is that what you're trying to tell us here? No, I am going to be watching the Olympics. You just didn't include me in that statement. Oh, okay. Very good. Very good. My bad. My bad. My bad. So, so I'm sorry, Eric. I didn't mean to leave you out, buddy. <laughs> I mean, I get left out of the Blue Ridge Relay stuff all the time. So, you know. <laughs> but to be, to, to be honest, this year will be the first year. And this is something really special to me. I think I, I messaged you two about this. Um, a player that I coached, uh, for those of you who don't know, I coached high level soccer for years and I'll probably go back to it at some point, but a player that I coached is on the South African national team. Yeah, so that's cool. That's anything cool. I'm going to try to catch, if I can find it anywhere, it's going to be one of the South African national team games during the Olympics. So awesome. I'll be there. That's great. And congrats to you as a coach, man. That's, that's very cool. Um, yeah, it's, that's, it's that's super exciting. Um, his name is Luke Fleers. Uh, coached him when he was a U14 and a U15 uh, when I was in South Africa. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal kid. Uh, a bit crazy. Um, but that, <laughs> it takes a little bit of crazy maybe to get to where the level he's playing at now. So very excited. Very cool. Very cool. When were you in South Africa? I know you were there for a few, a couple of years at least. Uh, we were there from 
literally the first day of 2014 through the summer of 2015. Okay. So, so it was, actually, it was more recently than I thought it was. Um, I was thinking it was longer, but farther back than that. But yeah, I guess 2015, 2016 aren't as recent as they are in my head. But um, so very cool. Very cool. And so he's probably what now, 21, 22, something like that? Yes. Very cool. I am looking forward to it, too. I, I've been deeply um, engrossed in the Tour de France, um, which is also being broadcast by NBC. And so I haven't really thought about my next um engrossing sporting experience yet um, <laughs> and so so i haven't actually looked into to where it's going to be streaming and what i need to subscribe to and when i need to make sure i'm watching and all that stuff yet because there's still uh, a few more stages of the tour de france that i want to watch it's going to be finishing this sunday um, and so i'll be looking forward to that i finished the zwift duathlon league today and how'd you do i did well so I did well. I'm, I'm excited about it, actually. So so the Zwift Duathlon League is a six series race um, and you bike for 35 minutes and you go as far as you can in that 35 minutes. And then you have 10 minutes to transition, to change your clothes, to literally like shift your technology from your bike over to your treadmill and all that sort of thing. Um, and uh, and then you have 15 minutes to run as far as you possibly can. And they give you points. Uh, based on how far you bike and how far you run. You get one point for every 100 meters that you bike and one point for every 20 meters that you run. Um, and I started off well and had a good first race, had a good second race, had a tough third race, good fourth race. My race number five last week was, was ugly. It was rough. I had a, a, an off day and I was dehydrated and just all sorts of terrible things were going on. Um, and so I went into this final race um, in fourth place, but only one point ahead of fifth place and only about 20 points ahead of like 13th place. Um, and we're talking about scores that are 2,400 something. And so to be that close, um, was, was, was big, but I had a really good race today, finished second overall in the entire race today, uh, solidified my fourth place position there. Um, so, so yeah, I was happy about it. Um, a guy from Canada beat me, a guy from, uh, Sweden beat me and a guy from, uh, the UK beat me. Um, so all in all, I feel good about it. Um, that brings me up to eight weeks to go to the Blue Ridge Relay and 10 weeks to go to Berlin. I'm feeling fit. I'm feeling strong. I'm starting to, to, to get focused. I'm starting to get excited about this last big block of training. I've lost some weight. I got my little Berlin bracelet on to remind me to, to sleep well and to remain hydrated and not eat a whole bunch of garbage. Um, so yeah. I'm actually in a really good place right now. I've Sorry, been two questions. So my Achilles feels good, which I uh, which I attribute at least in part to the Deviate Nitros. I purchased a pair of Endorphin Speeds today, and they're on their way to my house right now. What um, color? So, so future black. Um, cool. It was a version one, so I, I got the version ones on sale. Um, Are those so. the ones with the gold? It's like black and gold. It's, it's like black and green and orange. The, the same color you have, I think. Oh, okay, okay, okay. It's mm -hmm. the standard, okay. It's the one that came out when they came out with the white ones also. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. All right, what are your two questions, Michelle? So how does the Zwift training switch for you now that you're eight weeks out? Eight weeks, um, you're eight and 10 weeks out, is that right? Eight and 10 weeks out, yeah. Okay, so, so I've been doing a little bit of research and we're gonna talk about it on some other podcast because I need to, to, to do a little bit more research about the difference between treadmill running and, and overground running, non-treadmill running, running outside. 
Um, and so I am trying to make more efforts to go outside right now and run, at least over the course of the past couple of weeks. Um, I felt like one of the reasons why I struggled a little bit at the Peachtree Road Race and didn't quite run as well as I wanted to, even though I ran fine, um, but I didn't run quite as well as I wanted to. Um, there were a lot of reasons, but one of them was because I think that I've gotten really accustomed to running on the treadmill. And I've gotten actually pretty good. I've like developed my treadmill running skills really well. Um, but I think there actually is a slightly different skill set that you need when you're actually running outside. Um, and so I've made more of a point to try and run outside over the course of the past couple of weeks and I'll continue to. Um, I think that with Berlin, it probably isn't quite as necessary because Berlin is such a pancake flat course and it's straight sure. and everything that, that I think that, that the treadmill will, will much more directly uh, correlate to a good performance in, in Berlin. However, um, I do need to, to get outside a little bit more and go up and down some hills and, and uh, do all that sort of thing in order to be ready for the Blue Ridge Relay, um, which I look forward to, and which is only two weeks ahead of, of the Berlin Marathon. So I need to be well prepared for the Blue Ridge Relay so that it doesn't wipe me out for the Berlin Marathon. It feels like how you recover from that is going to determine whether you get wiped out for Berlin. I agree. And, and it also depends on, on how well I actually perform and how well I take care of myself during the event itself. Um, in 2020, I took pretty good care of myself during that event. In 2018, I took pretty good care of myself during, pretty good care of myself during that event. In 2019, I did not take very good care of myself during that <laughs> event. Um, and I was wrecked by the finish. Um, and it was, it was just an ugly scene. Um, and so I today beautiful. ordered my Slay RX so that I can make sure that I'm, I'm well hydrated that I used last year as well. Um, and, uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to hit him up for a singlet too. So I can wear that too. <laughs> cool. So, okay. So, so my second question is, first of all, you bought the Puma shoe, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I like it. You do. Mm -hmm. Tell us about it. It reminds me a lot. Of, so the foam of it reminds me a lot of the sketchers, which you all know that I'm a big fan of um, that, that, that razor foam, that hyperburst foam. It feels very similar to that foam, I think. Um, and then I, um, I also, uh, it's a, I mean, as you've talked about, it's a plated shoe. Um, and I think that, that running in a plated shoe just for my regular old runs, um, I think it forces me to relax my foot a little bit more. Um, and, and I think that's probably good for my Achilles. That I'm relaxing my foot and then yeah. it doesn't really have a heel counter on the back. Did you right. complain about the heel when you, when you talked it's about not it? That, I didn't complain that it doesn't have a heel counter, but I mean, I don't know what you want to call the way the heel is, but it's not, I mean, it's very different right. the way the, the contour, Yeah. What, what would you call the little, I don't know. The little cushions on the sides yeah, of your, sure. yeah. they, it looks like little like patches on the inside, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? But it's not it, really, yeah, it doesn't have, it doesn't have this, heel, yeah, it doesn't so. have this big heel cup that like supposed right. to locks your heel in. Um, and that's actually thin. a really good thing for me. Flimsy. I really like that. So, um, yeah. the speed elites, which I run marathons in, um, they don't have that either. And, and not coincidentally, my heel doesn't tend to hurt after marathons as much as you would think it would based on my training. Um, and so not having it be between having a plate in it that forces me to relax my foot and not having a real rigid heel cup that rubs on my Achilles. I think that that my, my Achilles is actually in much better shape now as a result of running the deviate nitros. It's funny. Cause I, I I've had several conversations since I kind of have, this is my working theory with people in different, uh, Facebook groups about different shoes that may also not have much of a heel cup. And it's funny. Cause I've found that a lot of people are like, Oh, I don't like the deviate nitro because of the heel. I'm like, okay, what other shoes do you not like? Cause of the heel. 
because I like the heel and I want, I want more shoes that you don't like because of the, sure. you see what I'm saying? Um, and, and at least one person told me the endorphin speed and the endorphin pro don't have a very built up heel, don't have a real rigid heel cup. And as a result of that, that's one of the reasons why I went ahead and pulled the trigger and bought that. So, so we'll what do you think the difference will be between when you choose the Puma versus the endorphin speed that you just purchased? So um, the endorphin speed's lighter. So when I want to go a little bit faster, yeah. Um, okay. The endorphin speeds two two ounces lighter. Um, the the Puma to me is I mean the DVA Nitro is a training shoe. I mean it's it's a ten ounce shoe. Uh, it's a training shoe. Um, I I I think it can go fast. I just I just need something a little bit lighter with a little bit more spring. But honestly, yeah, run in the I'm endorphin. about to pull mine out. Yeah. What what'd you say, Eric? You've never run in the endorphin speed. I haven't. I haven't. You're right. So I might put them on. They might feel super heavy, and I might decide that. The, the razors and the speed elites are, are, are what I want to wear for all my fast stuff. We'll see. We'll see. I want to hear what you have to say about the heel cup and the endorphin speed. Cause I feel like it's very standard. Mm, okay. I feel like my sketchers, uh, those, the razor pluses I have have less of a heel counter than the endorphin speed. It actually has a piece of plastic on the backside mm-hmm. of the it looks like um, just a trim piece, but it actually provides structure to it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's built up around the edge, you know, with the, the foam and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I'll be, I'll be interested to see. I will say this, you know, I have a, I've got a bone spur on my, on the back of my left uh, heel and that shoe doesn't bother it, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's because it's a flimsy heel counter, mm-hmm. like some other shoes that I've worn that, I, I did not like. You know, yeah. So. yeah. And I, I don't think it's flimsy. Um, like on the deviate nitro and on the speed elite, I don't think the heel counter is flimsy. I think okay. it's just minimalist. I just think there's yeah. just not a whole lot to it. Yeah. They didn't bother just putting a whole bunch of cushioning back there for the sake of it. Um, because really, why do you need that? Um, <laughs> but um, why do you need a bunch of cushioning behind your foot? I mean, yeah. it, it actually doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Can we dial back just a little bit? And I know we have other things to talk about, but this is really interesting. And I thought about this today when I looked at your Strava feed and I saw um, the last uh, duathlon uh, posts come through. Mm-hmm. When you Today's race. Today's race. And when you, when you just talked about a minute ago about training on a treadmill. And, you know, a lot of people who don't run on a treadmill, they might not think along these lines, but if you're racing on a treadmill, it's uh, bear with how I say this. It's not how fast you can run. It's how fast it's how fast you can withstand the speed you yeah. set the treadmill. Yeah, at. Yeah, you have to keep up with the treadmill or how long that's what it is. It's how long you can withstand the speed you set yeah. the treadmill. So in a sense, there's a, you have to know yourself and not overcook it. But in a sense, it's like being drugged by a car. Yeah. You're just, you're the dog behind the car trying to Kinda. keep up because the owner left your leash on the bumper. You know, I mean, like, how do you, how, how does that go in a race? How do you think through that in a race? Yeah. Yeah. So, so in a race, the trick is, cause I, I think of it as keeping up with the treadmill that, that that's the sort of, that's the phrase I use in my head that, that, that describes what it is you're talking about. But in a race, what you have to do is you have to make sure that you're being aggressive with the pace that, that, that you're setting the treadmill to, but not overly aggressive. And so, so you set it and you try and keep up with it. Um, and, and it's, it's easier to keep up with the treadmill 
than it is to generate that speed on your own outside, right. I think. Right. So the, the second part of my question though is, how do you train to race on a treadmill? How do you train to right. do that kind yeah. of race on a treadmill or do you? So, so yeah, I, the, the, so I, I didn't necessarily say, okay, what are the skills I need to be able to race well on a treadmill and let me make workouts that, that will hone those skills. I didn't do that. Um, but I have raced a lot on the treadmill over the course of the last year. Um, and I have done a lot of workouts on the treadmill over the course of the past year. And so those sort of skills that, that I'm only just now kind of realizing actually exist, that it's actually a thing. It's actually a skill that you have to have. I, I think that those, they kind of developed organically. Okay. Because um, we, we learned that when we ride on Zwift. Mm -hmm. Zwift riding is not like riding out. Right. Riding. And you right. have to anticipate. Riding on a trainer is not like riding outside. Yeah. yeah. No, you have to anticipate the hill. You have to understand how the pack ebbs and flows. Mm -hmm. It's not, you don't have all the visual cues you have, you know, in, in the real world. So there's little things you got to figure out. And I was just wondering how that came about. So it's more yeah. kind of organic. Just yeah. over. it was by accident. Yeah, it really was. Um, it really was. But 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 like I said, I'm starting to realize now that that in in honing some of those treadmill running skills, I have neglected some of my overland running skills. Um, so my own my overground running skills. And so so now that I'm done with this race series, and I'm super jazzed about how how this last race went because I was I was really really psyched that, that today went so well. Uh, I've been kind of on a, a high all day, um, but. Uh, now that that's done and now I get to focus more heavily on my overland races, my outdoor races, then, then I'll start, I'll, I'll start doing more workouts outside and stuff to the degree that I can. I mean, one of the reasons why, of course I was doing so many workouts and runs on the treadmill was because of childcare. Um, and so I'm not going to be like, Oh, sorry, fellas, got the Berlin marathon. Y'all make your own dinner. Like that's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> but, but so, so, so to the degree I can, I'm going to start trying to, to, to get outside a little bit more and, you know, we're getting ready to enter, enter August in the, in the American South. I mean, it's, it's about to, it's, it's hot already. And it's about to get really hot. So, so pretty bad, already. Yeah. But, but I'm, but I'm, but I'm prioritizing trying to get outside a little bit more. Whereas, um, I have enjoyed running on Zwift, the, the treadmill I've seen as a, as a legitimate option. And I have, I've been willing to like sleep a little bit later and stuff like that because, because I, I, I see the treadmill as an actual option. I'm going to have to start getting up earlier and getting into the nicer weather and, and trying to get outside a little bit more. All right. That took us a long time to go around the horn there. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't planning to talk about all these various things, but I'm glad that we did here. Um, uh, speaking of like skills and running and all that sort of thing, one thing that we've talked about a little bit before on this podcast before is that when you run in a pair of plated shoes like Vaporfly 4% and that sort of thing, you need to practice and see what they feel like because it's actually a little bit of a skill to learn how to, how to run in them. Um, Eric, didn't you borrow one of our friends Vaporfly 4% shoes this week in order to, to see how that goes? And as we as we revive like the run segment here, why don't you tell us about your run this week? Your first ever run in a pair of Vaporflies. Right, it was a very expensive run. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, so I, I am lucky enough. One of our good friends, a friend of the podcast, been on the podcast, Lee Ragsdale, probably gets a mention about every week. So does his mom. Um, <laughs> he works with me. In fact, I work for Lee, um, which is 
um, interesting in, in itself. I was going to say, which, which is an interesting wrinkle to the story about to tell. Keep going. Yeah, you weren't thinking about that, I'm sure. No. So, um, but Lee's office is a few doors down from mine. So um, we, we run over lunch from time to time. We talk about runs. I, I actually, I call it soft coach Lee. Um, I, I help him build his training plans and whatnot. Well, we also wear the same size shoe. So if I buy a pair of shoes and I don't particularly like them and Lee wants to try them, I'll give him a pair of shoes. Um, I have probably a couple of pairs of Lee's shoes that he has shed over the years. Like when he stopped running off road, uh, he just went ahead and gave me a pair of speed goats. Um, but this, the other day we were talking about plated shoes and I was saying, Oh, I need to bring in my, my on booms so you can try those out. And, you know, we were talking about, he, he runs in the endorphin speed, which we just talked about. And he said, Hey, would you ever like to do a run in my Vaporfly 4%? I said, well, yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to try that, try them out. Cause I've, I've never run in a shoe like that. And so I, he said, well, I'll bring them in next week. And he brought them in this Monday and I had planned on doing a either mile repeats or a tempo run on Tuesday. So uh, through some uh, really good recommendations from George and Michelle, I decided to do a 25 minute tempo run on Tuesday over lunch. And uh, I strapped on the Vaporfly 4% fly nets, which I will say it's an interesting shoe just to give a, you know, it's, it didn't feel as weird as I thought it would. You know, it doesn't feel like the endorphin speed uh, feels. It felt pretty normal. But what I noticed as I was leaving the building was it made this really funny noise every step I took. And um, later found out that the bottom of the shoe kind of has this like suction cup uh, area on it. And as I was walking out of the building that we work in, it has a smooth floor. So it actually kind of suction cups to the floor. Well, that noise continued as I got outside it was really kind of focused on one shoe, just the left shoe. But I, I just said, yeah, it's a different shoe. I've never run in it before. I'm just going to, I'm going to roll with it. So I got out, I did my 10 minute warm up, and then I, I kicked it up to my tempo pace and I got about two miles into my tempo. It was supposed to be about a four mile tempo period and the noise stopped. And I, <laughs> My engineering mind said, um, it's not good when noises start. It's really bad when noises you don't really understand just stop. <laughs> so I, I stopped and I looked at the bottom of the shoe and a piece was missing. <laughs> um, literally, a, a, one of the pieces of rubber had come off the bottom of the shoe. I had to track back to where, you know, that, that noise had stopped. And sure enough, I found it. Um, I also took a picture of it in the road there. Um, I also took the shoes off instantly and I messaged Lee and said, I am so, so sorry, sent him the pictures and I proceeded to jog back to our office barefooted. <laughs> um, Lee to his credit, he's, he's a very gracious individual. He said, look, there's a lot of miles on those shoes. Don't worry about it. I'm going to, I'll try to take them home and fix them. And he joked with me later, you have any shoe goo? And, uh, so um, yeah, it, I, I offered to him immediately. I said, I will buy these shoes. I will, fix them. I will buy them and try to fix them. I, I, I felt awful. They're only worth a few runs, honestly. You yeah. He already has 120 miles, miles on them, right? I think he had 120 miles on them. I, they're supposed to be good for hundred about, about 120 miles. I mean, that's <laughs> about it. Apparently, <laughs> apparently you get about 120 miles. That's out. right. And then they start to fall apart. 
Well, <laughs> literally. <laughs> the title of my run was something on the order of I run so fast, stuff falls off the shoes. That's right. You know, one of my friends messaged to that. He said, um, the shoes just weren't used to going that fast. Hey. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know if I would have taken that dig. <laughs> that wasn't me. <laughs> Given the fact that you wrecked his shoes. <laughs> that wasn't me. But no, I'll say it again. You know, it's it's a cool relationship to be able to, you know, borrow stuff like that and try stuff out. Um, I hope we continue to do that. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to be trying any of the expensive shoes that, that Lee has for sure. And I'm more than happy to bring any pair of shoe that I have in and let him try them out. You know, so, for all the hard time that y'all give me about the stuff that I borrow from other people and keep for perhaps longer than I should. I've never torn apart somebody's shoes. <laughs> Does it matter yes. if you never give it back? I, you I'm just... are holding a GPS watch hostage when I didn't even have one for like five days. <laughs> I'm not holding it hostage. I'm wearing it. I'm putting it to use as part of my Berlin training. No. Oh. <laughs> you still have that bike george i do uh, i do the the owner asked to to get it back and and i said of course and he hasn't asked again and so i'm just kind of just kind of <laughs> riding the bike george honestly the only thing that you have ever admitted to giving back to someone is a towel i uh, <laughs> i did didn't i yeah i did i put that in the mail yeah yeah it took about eight years but i did give that back yeah. eight years <laughs> Anyway, uh, all right. Please, uh, a friend, for let me borrow the shoes. Um, I, I didn't. I did enjoy, it. and it was quick. They're quick. I, I will admit, they they feel quick. You run fast. Um, they weren't as weird again as the endorphin speeds. Um, hmm. I put the endorphin speeds on tonight. I actually, I think I enjoy that shoe more because one, it's not as expensive, and it didn't fall apart and make me feel bad. <laughs> um, but uh, Lee, Lee was awesome about it, and you know, um, I don't know. Thanks for thanks for reminding me of that, George. I really appreciate it. <laughs> well, Michelle Michelle required that it would be on the uh, on the podcast. Um, oh, I did. Right. So so yes, yes. Speaking of shoes, I have a good story to tell you about shoes here in just a minute. But before we do any of that, Michelle, um, we finished Bravey. We of we course did. two weeks ago we reviewed it here, and the very last thing that you said as we were going off the air, as we were finishing the podcast on Bravey, um, uh, was I'm choosing the next book, and we said, "Okay, Michelle's choosing the next book. It's time for you to reveal what is the next book of the quarter here, Michelle." So we chose the book "The Rise of the Ultra Runners" uh, by Addie Finn, and we thought that it was kind of appropriate coming off of um, hearing about Grace and Eric's hundred miler a few weeks ago and also just kind of on the cusp of hard rock and some other really big uh, ultra races that are coming up over the next few weeks and I think we've talked a lot about um, running and kind of each of our forays into ultra running and some of the crazy stuff that we want to do um, maybe not as crazy as grace and uh, bad water but <laughs> um, um, and not something so deep uh, into the you know, mental health, uh, sphere. So. For sure. For sure. I look forward to it. This is um, going to be the third book I've actually read by Addie Finn, <laughs> which feels funny to me. So his first book was called running with the Kenyans. Um, and I read that his second book was called the way of the runner, um, which was about Japanese running. And I read that. Um, and then, so this is going to be obviously about ultra running. So I look forward to reading this, but what he does, his sort of MO 
is that he goes and immerses himself into a culture, immerses himself into a particular running place or running time. And so he went and lived in a village in Kenya for a while to see more about how they ran and what they did and what it is that makes them so fast. And, and frankly, that one, that one was so-so. Um, okay. And then the second one, the way of the runner, he's like, okay, why is it Japan has such a high density of really good marathon runners? What is it they're doing differently? Um, and that one was better. Um, and the big difference between the two of them, frankly, was that he went into the second one with an open mind. Um, I think he sort of learned from the first one. Um, and so he went into the second one with a much more open mind and said, let's kind of see what we can find here. And it was better. Um, and then the third one, um, this one here, Rise of the Ultra Runners, of course, he, I don't know which one, but he chose to run an ultra and train for an ultra and immerse himself in ultra running and trail running culture. Um, and I'll be interested to hear some of the things he has to say about that. So. Yeah, I think his interest was peaked after um, he ran his first ultra marathon, the, I think it was the Oman Desert Marathon. And it wasn't, it was like a hundred miles over several days. It wasn't, you know, just a hundred miler kind of within a 36 hour time limit. So um, interested to kind of hear his story. And I think the thing about ultra running that really intrigues me the most is just the problem solving aspect of it <laughs> there's always a problem that's going to have to be solved so I'm curious to see if he kind of talks about that and elaborates on it and looking forward to cool what I hope will be a little bit of a less heavy book this quarter <laughs> I think it will be I think it will be and of course he's writing this in in a time when ultra running has exploded in popularity um, that, that a lot of people are, are trying ultras for the first time, much to the dismay of some members of the ultra community, by the way. Um, that is true. But, but, <laughs> um, but there's a lot of people who, who over, the last of the, over the course of the last couple of years um, have, have decided that they're kind of done with road marathons and they want to start running trail marathons or ultra marathons and, and that sort of thing. Um, and so, so it's against that backdrop that he actually is writing the book. So I look forward to it. Eric, are you looking forward to reading this or are you just like, he can't tell me anything. I already know everything about ultra running. I did a hundred. No, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Um, I, if there's anything I enjoy and we kind of talked about it when we talked about the, the race I did with grace is I really like talking to the other people on the course, yeah. learning, um, how they problem solve. I like that aspect of it too, Michelle. And so does grace. And, um, you know, just kind of getting their experience, their background, how they train, if they want to talk about that, or just the different races they've done and which ones are really cool and which ones aren't, you know, I, I thought as I got into this originally that, you know, the, the extent of ultra running I was going to do was on a one mile loop, you know, <laughs> like my Doggettville race we do every year, the 12 hours Doggettville or that's on a one mile loop. It's on a one mile loop. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's insane. <laughs> But, but honestly, some of those homegrown courses with, you know, 25, 30 runners, maybe 40 runners, it's a lot of fun. I mean, there's a whole lot of fun to be had when every time you come around, you get to see John Doggett there at the, yeah, at the start yeah. finish line. Um, and you, you kind of always know where you are, you know, there's no, mm -hmm. there's no, you know, guesswork, not, not physically where you are, but like where you are in the race. Mm -hmm. But as I learned more about this, like, you know, that the race in South Dakota is totally different. It's a totally different crowd. It's a totally different atmosphere. It's, it's, it's drop dead, beautiful, uh, scenery, you know, you know, Grace mentioned to me, she said, one of the reasons why I never thought about stepping off the course is I didn't want to, <laughs> it was so awesome. Right. Cool. You know, so I, I'm, 
I like hearing about how other people go about it, how they learned about it, what they think about it, how they train for it, all that stuff. I think it's cool. What they carry, what they eat, what they drink, what they don't eat, don't drink, don't carry. So I, I think, I think even in what you just said, I think is an important predisposition that all three of us need to carry into reading this book. And of course, anybody who's listening, who's going to read the book alongside us over the course of the next three months here. Um, and that's, there's a lot of diversity in the world of ultras um, that it's not like, Oh, you go run an ultra marathon and this is what it looks like. Right. Um, right. that, that there's a wide variety of races and challenges and formats and courses and distances and everything else, um, that comprise so-called ultra running. Um, and so I, I, I'm hoping that, that he will describe that diversity as opposed to painting everything with the, with one brush. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Really good point. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Speaking of ultra stuff, this is a good segue. Um, uh, I mentioned that I've been immersed in the tour de France, of course, um, have either of you, I think Eric, you have a little bit, Michelle, I'm presuming you have not been following the alt tour, Lachlan Morton's alt tour. I'm literally only following everything that you send me, but unfortunately nothing more, <laughs> which is actually sad because I really wanted to make a more conscious and conscientious effort to follow a little bit closer this year, but I was just kind of overwhelmed with a huge project at work that just ended. So sadly I cannot, you know, Michelle, I'm not going to give you a hard time about that. That's progress. <laughs> the fact that you actually wanted to follow it this year, that's good. I turned that, it on that. a few times. I asked, two or three questions <laughs> that, that's that sets so, us up well for 2022 okay that's good to yeah. know actually i'm, I'm not going to give you a hard should time be a better uh, june and july for me next year so awesome very good very good and you have had some some pretty serious work issues well um there is a guy that we've actually talked about on the podcast before an australian rider for the ef nipo team um the the education first nipo team um and he's a little bit wacky his name is lachlan morton um and he did two Everestings over the course of like two weekends um, a couple of uh, a couple of months ago or about a year ago. Um, last year, of course, you'll recall, we talked about it a few times on this podcast, like all these pros started Everesting and because that was like the challenge. It was like the only thing they could really do. And so they all start competing with another, one another for Everesting. Well, Lachlan Morton goes out and does it, sets a record, then comes to realize that, that he didn't quite go far enough. And, and so he literally went out the next weekend and then set the record the following weekend. So, so he basically did two Everestings over the course of two successive weekends. This is the sort of person we're talking about. Um, during the off season, when a lot of people like go to a beach and hang out and, and drink heavily and eat rich food because they don't have to worry so much about their bodies and trying to get them up sides of mountains, he'll like pack up his bike and go on these like long bike trips that are thousands of miles long, like through the wilderness and stuff. Um, so he's kind of this, this, this interesting dude. Um, well, his team is currently competing in the tour de France. Um, he was not chosen to be one of the eight riders on the EF Nepo team to actually compete. And so he said, well, how about if I do this thing, we'll call it the alt tour and I'll ride the entire tour de France route by myself. Plus, the transfers, which is probably farther than the race itself. And so I'll ride the 3000 mile course, the 2400 mile course, basically. Um, but in addition to that, when I get to a finish town, I'll ride to the next start town. And then I'll ride the course from the next start town to the finish. And then I'll ride from the finish to the start and the start to the finish and all the way on through. Now, the cyclists who are participating in the race, they obviously take buses and even planes 
between the finish towns and the start towns, but not Lachlan Morton. He actually rode his bike the whole way. And you can imagine like when you're finishing in the Pyrenees or when you're finishing in the Alps and these huge mountain ranges, it's like a difficult ride also to get from those finish towns to those start towns. So, um, he left, he started on the same day that the Tour de France started. And the, the way that they hyped it up was they said, they said, is he going to beat them to Paris? He's going to try and beat them to Paris. The guy finished yesterday. He's done. Um, he How beat he them that? to Paris by nearly a week. <laughs> it's insane. Um, he, he did 17 straight days, no days off. Um, he averaged uh, about 200 miles a day, 327 kilometers a day. Um, his average climbing every day was 12,500 feet, about 3,800 meters every single day of altitude gain going up and down. And he, mind you, he's doing it unsupported. So all this stuff is packed onto his bike and he's camping out along the side of the road. And like he has these tools with him if he needs to fix his bike and some like of that. He didn't have like a team car or mechanic or anything else like that with him. And so it's this big, heavy bike and all that sort of thing. Um, he rode an average of 12 hours and 20 minutes per day. Um, on the final day, he decided to top it all off with a big 351 mile ride to the finish line. Um, and so he rode to Paris and then did the laps around the Champs-Élysées like they will on Sunday when they finished the, the Tour de France. Um, the most he had in a single day of climbing was 19,400 feet in a single ride uh, that was a combination of stage eight and half of stage nine. And then the farthest he went on any single day was that last day when he went 351 miles. He, uh, he rode 20 hours and 22 minutes. Um, oh, does the Tour insane. of France take too long? So, <laughs> I like, mean, can obviously, they obviously the challenge of the Tour compact. of France, you know, riding by yourself, and riding in the Tour de France, it's obviously two separate challenges. Um, sure. But uh, but but I don't think anybody expected him to finish, you know, five or A six week days. Ahead, and, right? Yeah, five or six days ahead of the Tour de France. Nobody, I think, expected that. I thought it. Would, I figured it would be kind of close, particularly because the the to go from the stage twenty finish town to the stage twenty one start in Paris, like that's a seven hundred kilometer transfer. Um, and all the riders and teams, they're all taking planes. They're all flying. And he just got on his bike and rode it. That's on the amazing. Road. I mean, yeah, it's insane. Um, so what's he, next for him now? <laughs> he, he did He did most of it. I should mention this too, since we were talking about shoes a little while ago, and I kind of foreshadowed this. Uh, he did most of it wearing Birkenstocks. Um, his pedals on the during the first day on the first ride, the pedals he had broke. And so he went to like a local grocery store and he bought the... $90 kids bike they have in the grocery store. And he took the pedals off the kids bike and put them onto his bike and left the rest of the bike at the store. Um, and so he did like the first four days on his like nice bike, although it was packed down with all this stuff and a, the cheapest possible kids pedals that you can imagine. Right. Um, about, and he went all the way through the Alps with those kids pedals. Um, about halfway through, he stopped at a bike shop and got like a set of mountain bike pedals. Um, but he was still riding flat pedals the entire time. He was not flipped in um, the entire time he rode, which is just insane. Also, it looks like it's the Birkenstock Arizona style, which doesn't even have a heel strap on. Yeah, and it's yeah. like the vinyl ones. He's yeah. like, his foot's not even secure in the Birkenstock. Did you, did, you just pulled up a picture of him and you're looking at him now? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to say, I, I think I might have even heard that at one point he, it, had a, it had a strap over the top and he didn't like it, so he pulled it off. Um, <laughs> and so, so it went down to where he only had one strap over the top. Yeah, 
like I said, the guys get the, the guys cut from a different cloth. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So what's next for him? Yeah. Hopefully what's next for him is hanging out in Paris, having a few beers and, and waiting yeah. for, for the tour to come through on Sunday. Um, I'm hoping that's what's next for him. Uh, he'll probably end up on the, on the tour of Spain team. For, yeah. I was going to ask is he, so, so he's, he, his, his endurance should be up pretty good so that he can get through it. Yeah. But, um, but, but, but probably, but I'm not sure. I don't know what their plans are. Interestingly enough, Eric actually sent me an article from the wall street journal writing about it, that his team was getting more social, inter, uh, social media interaction about the alt tour than they were about the team that was riding in the tour de France. I mean, um, and, it is a and, great story. It's oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, and it's not like his team wasn't doing anything. His team is currently battling it out for the team competition. They're like second or third or first in the team competition. And at the time until today, and I hope this isn't, well, it's not any spoilers because I'm recording this on Wednesday. It's coming out on Friday. Until today, uh, they had the person who was sitting in second place uh, in the entire tour. And you have Lachlan Morton out there and his Birkenstocks on his flat pedals and his, you know, 50 pounds worth of gear strapped down to his bike doing the alt tour. And he's getting more social media attention than the rest of the team, including the guy who's sitting in second place on the podium. <laughs> he's your kind of guy, Eric. He is. And, you know, you, you I, I pulled up the Wall Street Journal article because I, I, I remember reading something about that. And it, it links how you segued into this. Mm-hmm. Um, basically they're, they're, uh, they're using the story of Lashlin to make a point about why, what he's doing is so interesting. Mm-hmm. And one of the points is the, the, the author, um, says this is where the sport is heading. And it says these, mm-hmm. these standard events, you know, even the tour with, it's always going to have a lot of hubbub about it and whatnot, but the standard events are becoming stagnant. And people are losing their interest in it and they're moving towards or away from the traditional structure and into these more adventure categories, these Mm -hmm. ultra categories, these, you know, something different. And I think there's two parts of that. One is um, it's at times it's more accessible. You don't have to be the professional racer on the professional team to get to the Tour de France, but to go say, well, I'm going to ride across the country. You just get right. on a bike and you start riding. Right. Um, we, we could we could do what Lachlan Morton did. Exactly. We, I mean, it would take longer for us to do it than it did him. I probably wouldn't do it in as big a chunks as he did, obviously. Um, but we could do it. We couldn't. You and I can't. Can never are never going to ride the Tour de France. It's not going to happen. It's not even. Yeah, it's not even a possibility. Right. So, so I just thought that was interesting, and you know, I think for that's sure. really cool, and I think it also goes to this whole finding your limit right like that's that's where that adventure ultra stuff comes from i think sometimes as people are like well wait a minute i I sit on a desk all day this is kind of boring this isn't what what i want to do or this isn't a limit i'm trying to explore let me try running 30 miles i might not run the whole way but let me try to get through 30 miles you know people talk about ultra races it's not necessarily an ultra run for everybody but 100 miles is 100 miles you, you, you will, you, you won't find your limits until you go out looking for them and potentially they catch up with you. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, so yeah, that's been fun to follow. Um, 
And uh, a lot of a lot of the the podcasts that I listen to, because you know, part of engrossing myself in the Tour de France is, of course, watching the entire stage and then listening to podcasts about it for the remainder of the day. Um, <laughs> and a lot of the podcasts I listen to are uh, we're talking about him and talking to him and all that sort of thing. And so, hopefully, over the course of the next few days, um, he'll end up doing an interview with one of them, and so we'll be able to hear a little bit more about what he has to say. Um, and one of his teammates is uh, second in the tour right now. So yeah, yeah, he was until today, <laughs> and 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 that teammate was getting ignored because everybody wanted to talk about Lachlan Morton. Yeah, <laughs> right on. All right, everybody. I think that's going to do it for tonight. I do want to say we didn't talk anything about the Olympics tonight, but we have a lot of things related to the Olympics that we do want to talk about. Um, next week, our entire episode is going to be about the Olympics because it's going to be coming out on the day that the opening ceremonies start. Um, and so, so, so tune in next week for, uh, for episode 189, in which we'll talk about Alex and Felix, and we'll talk about Simone Biles, and we'll talk about all sorts of other things related to the Olympics. So, so looking forward to that. Um, Michelle, thanks for being with us. Always a pleasure to be here, George. Eric, thanks for being with us. Hey, George, it's always fun. And, and Michelle, it's always fun to talk to you, too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, y'all. Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast, on Twitter at pleasantpodcast, or on Instagram, mostpleasantexhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter, at itlcoaching, on Facebook, at facebook.com slash itlcoachingperformance, and on Instagram, itlcoaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, bluepineappletravel.com, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, and on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's SlayRx.com, Facebook.com slash here for SlayRx. That's the number four, SlayRx. Twitter, at official SlayRx. And Instagram, here for SlayRx, the number four, SlayRx. Discount code PLEASANT21. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. See you next time.